Hey everybody, welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is February 6th, 2022, and this is episode 160. I am Dennis. Uh, Tony was here, we were recording, and as I was editing, I realized that approximately eight minutes of his audio became really digitized. It must have been a software issue, probably with a computer, because it resolved after that point. And we had had some initial startup issues, but we thought we had those fixed, so... I'm just going to cover the sort of introduction portion here real quick, and then I'll note when we drop back into your regularly scheduled episode. So for intros, Tony just noted he's really been busy working and has been playing his SnowRunner game. I noted that I'm still working on Yakuza Like a Dragon. We both also went yesterday to the monthly pinball tournament at the 403 Club. Tony won a t-shirt. We did not last all that long, and then we went and ate. And so, anyway. Now I'll move into the portion of the pinball section that uh, was too garbled to include. We actually uh, really only focused on talking about the Pinball Industry Awards, but before going into that, I wanted to read an email that we received about the PIAs from Chris Doyle. His email says, I believe the question of how many games get into the Hall of Fame for a specific period is a very valid problem, for which I may have a solution that not only fixes it for the 2000 to 2009 era, but also all other eras as well. I believe that by capping the amount of games that can be voted in by a percentage of the eligible games from that era, say 10%, you will truly be looking at the cream of the crop from each era while allowing flexibility based on a number of eligible games from each era. For example, I count 25 games... Excuse me. I count 25 eligible games from the 2000 to 2009 era. They are all Sterns. I did not count limited editions, such as Lord of the Rings LE, Spider-Man Black, etc., or reskins, Family Guy and Shrek, NASCAR and Grand Prix, etc., more than once. Opinions may vary on that point. That means, rounding up, that only three games would be eligible for induction for the 2000 to 2009 period. That, to me, satisfies the cream of the crop designation without putting a hard limit on the amount of games eligible from the other eras. For example, I quickly counted roughly 50 games from the 2010 to 2019 period. This would allow for a total of five games to make the Hall of Fame using the 10% criteria. Anyway, that's just my two cents. Hopefully someone from the PIA committee agrees and may use that suggestion. Love your show and look forward to it every two weeks. The first half anyways. Sorry, I'm not a gamer, just a pinballer. Thank you both. So thank you, Chris, uh, for the email. When we discussed it, uh, Tony and I noted that, uh, you know, we agreed this does seem like an ideal solution. This style of solution, I can confirm, has been briefly discussed by the PIA Governance Committee. The challenge right now is, since we're at the end of this award cycle, everyone's just too burned out to really focus on what's going to happen next year. Uh, Not to mention that if it happens like this year, we may see significant turnover on the number of volunteers to serve on the governance committee. There were only three of us who served last year and this year, and I have no idea what it's going to look like. But everyone agrees in particular uh, that this is ultimately something that's going to have to be resolved, especially with the 2000 to 2009 era going to basically force our hand before any other era would, just because there's so few games that came out. And the quality arguably falls off a cliff in terms of like like top tier or as Chris phrased it, cream of the crop. So after that, uh, we were ready to go into discussing the Pinball Industry Awards results. And I will drop that portion in at this point. So I will note, we do have a link in the show notes to the uh, YouTube video of the ceremony. 
that was uh, YouTube premiered on January 28th on a Friday. There was very little notice, so most people didn't see it live. I think there were about 150 people that were in. So if you want to watch it, uh, Zach Minnie and Greg Bone did end up hosting. We did not originally have that arrangement. However, they became willing to do it. And so we, we didn't, were not planning to do a ceremony at all because we didn't feel we could live up to what Zach and Greg had done. So right. we're going to do a very different sort of social media approach. And, but we weren't really happy with how well that might go. So this seemed like a better idea. <laughs> um, it's about an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, there's been a lot of praise for the Lyman Sheets tribute that's at the start of it. So you might want to just go and check that out. Uh, other, even if you don't want to watch the rest of the awards, that's pretty close to the beginning. Uh, but we'll start with the Hall of Fame. Okay. Uh, so EM, that's a write-in category for us. And the winner there was... Campus e- Queen. Almost. Actually, I don't remember how many votes Campus Queen had. Uh, Jungle Princess, Jungle Queen. That oh, see, that's of, partially. Yeah. So they uh, that's the winner. Well... Grand Prix was the winner, but the instructions said Grand Prix had already won, so you couldn't vote for it again. But because there was a write-in, people did it anyway. People don't listen. People's choice. To be fair. People don't listen. The first five slots of the uh, of the honor roll of EM People's Choice would, would probably be Grand Prix. They, I mean, Grand Prix is good enough. It deserves. It deserves the first five Grand slots. Grand Prix, yes, but look, and you... EM people, like real EM people, you write in at collectinggamerspodcast at gmail.com and, 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 and confirm this, but like Grand Prix is the pick that non-EM people pick to act like they like EMs. Okay. It's, just, it's like, it's spinner all day, so people get it. People like spinners. See, that's, that's this, it. That's this, it. See, this is, so it. we're back to this plea... So this is back to the plebe people. They this don't. So they don't a- understand the joy and the beauty in a machine. Why didn't they vote for Centigrade? No, 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 no. I'm not. You could. One could take that approach, but you see, that's that's the opposite end. Then there's the EM snobs that are out there acting like the pachinko style waterfall <laughs> stuff is in any way fun. It's like it was not. Quit acting like every design that came out of the EM era was genius. There was a lot of rehash and a lot of trash. Mm-hmm. It just is. In fact, there was more trash back then than there is now because they were turning out so many games. Yeah. Nowadays, we had a cut of fat. You can definitely see not only were they highly experimental in ways that in no way worked, <laughs> they, they were turning out so much at the point that things were selling themselves that quality did not need to be there. So, I no. Games are better now than they were then. That said, Grand Prix is a pick of a solid stater. (laughs) You're trying to fit a round peg in a square hole. That's what you're doing. So just you're just having fun, and you're picking a game that's fun. Please don't do that. You need you need to have higher quality. I like Grand Prix too, but people, the real answer is Jitterbug. It needs to be Jitterbug. You know the bugs, the jitters, and the doodles. I kind of thought maybe they would. I kind of thought it would have won, but it didn't. It didn't. Grand Prix won it to again. So anyways, Jungle Queen, Jungle Princess. That's um, okay. That's cool. I don't have so, a problem with that. Uh, 70s uh, Solid State was a tie. Uh, Harlem and Gorgar. Okay. Sure. Uh, 80s. I mean, it, it, I mean, I mean, Harlem's okay-ish. And, uh, a lot of people love Harlem. That's a tournament darling. And then uh, yeah. Gorgar's, uh, oh yeah, it's the first game with speech. Yeah, it, it, and has like the best musical soundtrack of any game from that entire decade. Uh, it's just 80s, amazing. 80s was Centaur. 
It is a beloved class of 81 game. I really thought something from the late 80s. I figured win. it. I, I saw it. I was surprised. 11. I was, I was expecting a system 11. Yeah. So it didn't. Um, nineties. This one surprised me. Twilight Zone. <gasps> Tony. That's not very nice. I'm sorry. Bullcocky. It's too late. I have to write this down and put in a beat. <laughs> so the, uh, the, uh, but yes, I, I do agree. Because uh, Attack from Mars is still not in the Hall of Fame. Medieval Madness won last year, and here's Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. That stuck really? every toy in the world in it, instead of having a layout. See, I'm, it's not just that I am upset. Yeah, tell tell me about the plebes, Tony, that I voted for. I'm Let not, me turn the table. Tell me about the plebes that picked It's not just Twilight that I'm upset Zone. the Twilight Zone beat <laughs> Attack from Mars. I think there's like Four games that are, should be in there before Twilight Zone, but Twilight Zone is beloved. A lot of people like it. A lot. It more wasn't than beloved I when do. it came out. Well, that's maybe it had better taste back then. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm glad you're happy with your choice. It's just wrong. Uh, so the plebes, the plebes, the plebes, the plebes <laughs> choice. Twilight Zone. Um, 2000, 2009, uh, Simpsons Pinball Party. Not surprised. What choice did they have? Not Spider Man. <laughs> I mean, Spider Man. <laughs> and then this was a surprise, uh, though I think a pretty welcome one. Uh, 2010, 2019 was Total Nuclear Annihilation. I am surprised that that one went. Yeah. Uh, so early. Very, very. I mean, I just as fun as that game is, I honestly never would have thought that. Out of the first five picks, a game without ramps would yes. have been the that's that the is thing. shocking. That's the thing. So I, I have no problem with it being the whole thing. I love that. No, game. well, I, I I have one. So I I'll, just am shocked because yeah. I expected other items first. Mm-hmm. So the pleeps have good taste sometimes. Sometimes. So let's go to the actual uh, qualified judging categories. So. This year, so now you plebs can sit yeah. down. The qualified judges have stepped forward. So this time, rather than the pinball, uh, the pinball network having a group of people arguing and nominating and choosing excellence award winners, this time just the judges that pick the category awards they were told write in what you want on the excellence awards, and then we just tallied those up. And so, of course, we had. There was a tie situation. Well, there were ties in various levels, but in terms of first place, right? We did have a, we did have one tie situation with that, of course. A bit frustrating to compile, but this kept it neutral, like because the majority of the judges were not in the pinball network, which was nice to have again. And we did see about a twenty five percent increase in judges this time. We did expand the categories a bit, so that helped that helped with with getting that. But so we'll go through the winners on this really quick. So pinball streaming, i.e., pinball. That's Carl D'Angelo. That one. That 34% of the write-in votes. Uh, pinball podcasting, uh, the pinball show won on that with, uh, 27.5% of the votes. Excellence in pinball writing, uh, this week in pinball won with 38% of the vote. Excellence in pinball social media, that was a new category. That was a tie. Uh, fun with bonus, that's Steve Bowden's, uh, uh, social media. And then Nap Arcade, which is Jason Knapp's social media. They both won. Each of them got 18.75% of the vote. Uh, pinball photography, Nap Arcade won that one with uh, over 30% of the vote. Uh, pinball videography uh, was straight down the middle, uh, which won with 30% of the vote. And then we added in another new award, the Harry Williams Legacy Award, to sort of celebrate contributions in pinball. And with a little over 14% of the vote, Dwight Sullivan won that. 
So those are the excellence awards. I didn't actually vote in the vast majority of those because I know. skipped a number. I mean, I skipped podcasts since I knew I was. Uh, I mean, I yeah, yeah I didn't. Well, anything that I could see myself having been involved with, I did not vote in. Right, and, and then uh, the other stuff. If I didn't know, I and yeah, and then yeah. the other stuff is like like photography. It's like I I don't yeah I follow that kind of stuff. Do. Yeah, I hadn't, I mean, it hadn't crossed my mind, actually, about Napark. I mean, he does post a ton of photos, so after I thought about it, I was like, well, that does make a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, I just never thought but, about it. I uh, just... But, I mean, I voted for him in social media, because that immediately, I'm like, oh, yeah, I read that stuff all the time. So, yeah. this is sort of like how that went. So, category. Now, I'm not going to run through all of the all of these. Tony in the internal notes sees my, my I just cut and paste all the results. But, um... <laughs> That's my Godzilla, because Godzilla dominated. Oh, yeah. Dominated. Um, if you want to say the the always a bridesmaid, never a bride, it had to be Mandalorian. Poor Mandalorian came in second on so many of these categories. But the thing is, Godzilla won all but two of the categories, and most of the time, it wasn't even close. Yeah, it was. So, it's, it's almost embarrassing. Right. So let's talk. The two categories that Godzilla did not win were won by Led Zeppelin. So Stern won everything. Well, that's no surprise. Nobody else put out anything that, that was worth. That's it. kind of true. That's kind of that's kind of true. Yes. Yeah, so in terms of the the ones that Led Zeppelin did win, it won best lighting effects with just over half of the vote. Okay. And then. <clears throat> And it also won uh, Best Music with over 53% of the vote. So, pretty dominant wins in those two. Ca- and I agreed with those. I know people will debate Best Music, because is it is it fair that a rock band's rock tracks are... But, hey, it's up to the judges. Yeah. Like, I'm not... And I, I, I've mentioned this before. I am not... And to be fair, I did vote for Zeppelin for Music, so obviously... I I'm, voted for Godzilla. So... Exactly. Thought about it, but I actually like a number of Zeppelin songs, and that's like the only Godzilla song I really like. <laughs> uh, I don't care for the Blue Oyster Cult song. Uh, uh, I don't hate it, but um, but you know my my thought is it doesn't make any sense to put in like I'd say tell judges you're restrict. Like I don't like telling people like you need to think about this or uh, I want them to think carefully. But saying you're restricted from doing this, like how do you enforce that? No, no you don't. It's up to the judges. So. Um, actually, so I won't list all the breakouts, but we can go through the categories really, really quick. So here's all the stuff Godzilla won. Uh, best art, cabinet and back glass, 52 plus percent of the vote. Obviously. Playfield art, 62% of the vote. Yep. I disagreed with both of these. I was Mandalorian on both of those. So. I was Godzilla on both of them. Well, most people clearly were Godzilla, but I, I did not. I did not agree with that. Uh, theme integration, uh, Godzilla, 71% of the vote. Yeah. That's it was. I mean, come on, the building collapse alone. Sold yeah. That. Uh, best innovation, Godzilla, just under seventy percent of the vote. Newton ball magnet, I think, is why. Because a lot of the other stuff was a rehash, but that was new. Yeah. Um, that was interesting, just because the second place was Sorcerer's Apprentice. Uh, see, I mean, the judges do put in logic because I P three performs better on Pinball Industry Awards than in any other uh, award ceremony I've ever seen. Well, yeah, because it requires somebody to have actually played one. And that's part of the judging criteria helps helps choice awards. Yeah, helps grab people that try and and uh, play everything or at least read up on everything. Uh, Playfield layout, 
Godzilla, 92% of the vote. This is not the biggest vote margin, by the way. We will, we will touch on that, but that is a huge vote margin. Um, cause like Mando had like a, like two votes and Zeppelin had one on that. Uh, best rules, Godzilla, just under 60%. Um, not too surprised. The only thing that surprised me about that is I do hear a lot of praise for Zeppelin's rules. Uh, but it came in third to Mando, which I know some people are frustrated with the rules on, but it had almost 12%. Um, oh, here's one, the best accessory, big shock here, the, the insider connected kit by Stern. Yeah. That was three fourths of the vote. Well, that, that, yeah, which no, just, it totally I, makes sense. I, I was the one person who argued to drop this category. I continue to lose that argument every I time. I think it's a terrible category. <laughs> I, I agree I with a, you. It's I still horrible. lose it. I can't convince the other judges. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, we we skipped uh, best toys, eighty eight percent. Oh, for yeah. Godzilla, the toys are awesome. The toys the are awesome. Um, the uh, best sound effects, Godzilla. This one was a closer one. Godzilla. Yes, it's still not that close. Godzilla had about fifty two percent of the vote. Uh, I I think I did vote Godzilla for best sound effects. However, I did not for best callouts. I voted Carl Weathers Mandalorian callouts, uh, but Godzilla won best callouts. This is the one thing it won with less than half of the vote. Uh, so we had a, this was the only, well, no, there were two really competitive categories. This was one of them where Godzilla was 42, per, 44% of the vote. Mandalorian was about 35% of the vote. And then animation display and effects. Godzilla was 40% of the vote. Mandalorian was about 29%. Right. Those are the only two close categories at all. What was best in show, Tony? Oh, it's obviously. I already said what, who won. It was Godzilla, but. But, right, right. No, best in show is obviously Ultraman. <laughs> Poor Ultraman. It actually, <laughs> Ultraman did uh, did come in. Uh, I, I mean, it was sixth in sound effects. I remember that. I mean, I mean, there was actually Ultraman. Um, I'm trying to remember. Ultraman did come in third on uh, art for Cabinet and Backblast. Oh, that, that's which good. Uh, surprised me. I thought that Halloween looked better. But See, I actually thought Ultraman. A lot of people, well, apparently, most people did, but I really liked yeah. the Halloween. I uh, Halloween art. I thought um, I thought the Halloween art was very much blasé. So this, though, it is so funny during the ceremonies. Spoil. Well, obviously, I've already spoiled that. You know, other than the two things Led Zeppelin won, it was all Godzilla. The um, but it's so funny watching the ceremony because they they show you Godzilla and they show you Led Zeppelin and then they go to open the card. Those were the only two games that got votes. Zeppelin had one. One vote. It's 98% to 1.9%. Who, whoever you are. I didn't look at it. I did not go and look because I do have access to the individual votes. Whoever you are who voted for Zeppelin over Godzilla. I think they misclicked. I want to know. I think they missed. That's what I'm saying. Who hurt you? Here, 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 I I, I have a pinhead doll. Where did they touch you? Where did Zeppelin touch you on this pinhead doll that made you vote for them? <laughs> I just, just like I, 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 I don't care. I have, I have in my head cannon. They slipped. <laughs> they spilled their tea like in Red October Uber. and slipped. And he like, slipped and accidentally, accidentally submitted a vote for Led Zeppelin. I, I just, I just, I just like. I do not think that. In my lifetime, I will ever see in this or any any other award ever on pinball such a shellacking again. 
I just I don't, can't fathom it. I don't see how. It's I don't. Just, I'm honestly, I didn't think it would be this way as is. Well, but. as you noted, like no one else, and that's obviously it's not completely true. But but there was no Jersey Jack game, right? There was no Chicago gaming game up for a, you know Cactus Canyon remake came out too late. Uh, for sh- they shipped it too late to count, right? So all we had in competition was. American Pinball's Legends of Valhalla, which got creamed. Like, no, none of the judges cared for it for anything. Um, Halloween and Ultraman, which, art aside, uh, did not do very well. And then it's the Stern Show. Oh, and there were three games from P3, uh, two of which were third-party developed, but all three of which didn't come with a new module. So you're using rehashed playfield layouts. But a lot of them still scored better than Halloween. No, Halloween was hated in this. I mean, it's outside of like art. Uh, I mean, uh, Halloween was fourth in, in cabinet backlash art, as we noted. Ultraman was third. It was the same third and fourth for playfield art. And then, yeah, I mean, uh, P3 stuff, best innovation, uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice was second on that. And, uh, they were, they were fifth in rules. I mean, like, like Halloween and Ultraman didn't get any judge votes for rules. So it's noteworthy to say Sorcerer's Apprentice made a showing there and nothing from Spooky did. Or, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, yeah. Uh, animation, uh, so animation display and effects, Sorcerer's Apprentice placed above Valhalla, Halloween, and Ultraman, and Zeppelin for that matter, uh, coming in third. So P3 had a couple top three showings. So yeah, it's just, and that's the sort of thing I wanted to see out of where I think if you involve judges, you see a difference. Normally, you'd see a difference in winning, too. But to be fair, I don't think it matters what award type you do, what style of judging. Godzilla's going to clean up this year. Right. It, uh, there, there was just uh, no way. Didn't, and when the ceremony was being live streamed on the YouTube premiere, there were people in the comments that were joking. It's like, like best ashtray, Godzilla. <laughs> best, best comforter, Godzilla. Because uh, it's like... It's oh, like, man. Godzilla's going to win. And no, it didn't quite win everything, but if it didn't... So it made for a boring award show. Actually, Zach, in his editing uh, and scripting the show, did a nice job of spacing the Excellence Awards and the Category Awards to give you a break from all the, all the Zilla madness. But what would people think of your award show if Godzilla didn't win? I, I, no one would believe you. Yeah. If Godzilla didn't get... Not just best in show, but almost all of these categories. It would be very sus. It would be very sus. There would be some serious you'd shenanigans. Be like, there, you'd be like, someone put their thumbs on the scale. Someone bought votes. Someone created a bunch of fake. Well, I mean, obviously that doesn't affect this style of judging. Right. But the, everyone would be like, you would be super suspect if Halloween won all this stuff. Right. Even, I mean, even if Zeppelin had won all. If, if anything but Godzilla had taken Game of the Year. Or oh, best, yeah. or best no one would show. believe it. There's no way. No, you, there, there's no way. Yeah. You'd be golden globed. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, you have, like, your judges were the design team of Zeppelin. Yeah. That, that, that's that's, be, that's what it would be. Think. It's yeah. like, oh, okay. How, how did that? Yeah. No, that's just, that's, yeah. Yeah. Well, before leaving Pinball, gotta do Rumor Corner. Rumor Corner. So, um, this is not new rumor, Toy Story. JJP, the last of the games that were revealed from the disgruntled employee. All other games have come to pass. 
very close is what I am hearing. I'm hearing March. I'm hearing the reveal will be in March. I'm hearing that uh, they are just busy trying to build a certain number of them ahead of time so that they will actually be able to ship a number of them. And I'm hearing triple digit number of them out. So like a hundred plus. So that that's what's going on. Good for them. If it's true. Mm-hmm. But I would love for them to go, here's our game and we're ready to ship now instead of here's our game. The first one will be uh, 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 shipped in six months. And the second one will be shipped three weeks after that. And then we'll start picking speed up a little bit. And you guys should have your games by five years from now. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I agree it, with the, with the shipping, you know, all the stuff pandemic still related. It's, I mean, I've been, I'm not, I didn't put it in as a news item, but there's been a lot of discussion like what's going on with the Fathom revisited out of Haggis in Australia because, you know, they were, Saying they were starting the build in January, and then others were like, there weren't any photos, and they're getting suspicious, and it's like, well, I mean, there are delays just beyond what we normally see from pinball, which, you know, typically is outside of Stern, we see a lot of delays. So, you know, anyway, we'll see, but are you not rumor-tained, at least? We'll see what happens. Good for JJP getting a game out. It's only been two years. Yeah. So. That's for them, that's good. That's that. That is... An inherent increase in ability. Sure. And, hey, it means that we will see something competing with Stern. Yes. Because there are some JJP fanboys. Who will vote for them no matter... I mean, there are people out there who are the same way with Stern. Every single group has people out there who will vote for their thing, even if it kicks them in the nuts. Every time they hit the start button. But Guns N' Roses won a number of awards. It did. And it's... I didn't agree with all of those awards, but some of them made total best, sense. Best light show. That totally. So we will go to the uh, the video game segment, but the um, I I get to keep talking for a little bit. <laughs> we got a few more emails to uh, to get through. So let's start with a couple of video game related emails. Uh, we got one related to Microsoft in our discussion on the last episode. This is from David Dennis, host mm-hmm. of Silver Brawl Chronicles. He says. Hey guys, really enjoyed the Microsoft chat this week. It's not this week anymore, but anyway. My thoughts on the Microsoft model going forward would be based on the MLB The Show experience last year. MLB, and for those that don't know, MLB is Major League Baseball. MLB worked out a new deal with PlayStation, who is the production and publisher of MLB The Show. That deal would allow Microsoft access the massive MLB franchise. On launch day for the new MLB The Show, all PlayStation owner had to buy the game at retail, where Game Pass subscribers could play it for their monthly subscription fee cost. Essentially, Microsoft pulled one over on PlayStation. This will be the model for Call of Duty, etc. Why would you buy a PlayStation and buy a game for $79.99 when you could buy an Xbox or PC and have it included in your monthly subscription? I'm sure all DLC and timed exclusive content will be first on Microsoft platforms and follow up playstation so thank you david for writing in i i do think that that's going to be the model for call of duty i do not think that's going to be the model for everything under activision blizzard and i mean i do think it'll all be on game pass but the thing is we've already seen things like early on i thought microsoft was a little coy when they got bethesda about what would still be multi-plat and then it seems like other than already committed games 
things ain't going to be multi-plat. It's going to be PC and and Xbox. So, you know, it's a question of, I think for Call of Duty, it makes a lot of sense because there are so many, I mean, PS5 has been outselling worldwide, the Xbox series, not nearly like it was last year, but, or last gen. Right. But that's a lot of, it's like with Minecraft. There's a lot of other devices that you would like to make money on, and Call of Duty is a great way to do it. But others, like Overwatch 2, I mean, most of the players of Overwatch are PC anyway. I could definitely see them saying, okay, this is going to be on PC and Xbox. We ain't putting it on PS5. Right. Well, and I think just overall, their whole Game Pass thing is going to give them a large advantage going forward. Oh, sure. That, what, what David wrote here, I agree. That's, that's the strategy. That's Phil, that's Phil Spencer's fingerprints everywhere is Game Pass will be what crushes everything else because it's such a good deal mm-hmm. that if you want to play a variety of games, no other option is. I, the only reason I don't have Game Pass is I play games so slowly that I can get enough games on birthday and Christmas lists on sale from people that that keeps me busy. That's right. the only reason I don't do Game Pass. Is Does I, it last I, you until the next round? Yes, because of... I play so slow. Yeah. So, But for people with more playtime and people who put more energy into it, it's definitely the way to go. Yes, yes, yes. Especially, especially people who want big name release games. Right, and especially I think it's a huge uh, advantage for people that are uh, like younger uh, players who are on a budget. A severe oh, budget. Because we all know people that could only... Like, they buy their own games, and they work a part-time job, you know, growing up, and it wouldn't be unusual for someone to buy two games a year. And maybe that's Call of Duty and Madden. Right. But with Game Pass, you're like, maybe you're spending that same amount of money, and now all of a sudden you've opened yourself up to a much bigger library. So that's that's the attraction. We did get another uh, video game-oriented email. This one is from Chris Chandler. And it was about uh, Ubisoft. Uh, he linked an Ubisoft executive re- interview where that executive was talking about how users don't understand NFTs. And so I do have a link to the article in the show notes. I'm not going to read his entire email, but I'll read the relevant part of the email that was after that link. Yep. And he said, Chris said, we apparently just don't get it, gents. Apparently, after spending weeks grinding for that weapon skin and then abandoning the game, we can cash out and live like kings after they take their cut, of course. It's like an NFT version of Superman 3, I suppose. Well, I can see that there's definitely a market for boosted characters and the like. Didn't D3's marketplace show the market for in-game items simply isn't there? Slash me cries in crypto bro. And, you know, it's not, I read this article when it had first come out and yeah, it, it's very much a, this whole NFT thing, I saw somebody else posted and I agree with them. There's one very good, very valid use for NFTs in gaming. Use them on the individual games so that you can now create a used game market. So when you're done with your game, you can sell it. Mm. That's the only about everything else is just the whole NFT thing. It's money laundering. That's the only thing that makes <laughs> sense. Scrap, 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 scrap. There's just no way. I don't understand. That's the right. Point. That's what the executive said. You don't understand. I don't understand. You I don't. Dumb. I don't you too, dumb. I don't know. I'm too dumb. I'm too dumb. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I played newbie soft game, but <laughs> Assassin's Creed, whatever the, Assassins are 
I haven't played an Assassin's Creed <gasps> since Assassin's Creed 1. Whoa, that one was not very good either. <laughs> Why do you think I never played another Assassin's Creed? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, anyway, so thank you for the email, Chris. Tony, you've got some news. We got the world of video games has not been stagnant. Nope, it never is. Uh, Sony is countering the acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft. They are picking up Bungie. Mm. Bungie, the, 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 the town bicycle of video game production companies. Poor the, Bungie. The, 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 they just want to be independent. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did. They, that's what they Twice. Well, I mean, yeah, because Bungie started off independent, obviously. Uh, they made some good games. They made Marathon. They made uh, uh, Myth. Um, then they started making Halo, and Microsoft purchased them. Mm-hmm. And they spent a good seven years making Halo games for Microsoft. And then, you know, they were they they, they were tired. I, I heard Microsoft didn't, like, Microsoft didn't manage that one as well as they should have. Yes. And that, and that's generally, it wasn't managed well, and there were issues like creative control right, and right. stuff that like that. That sort of style, you yeah. uh, know. So they split off. And uh, they still made, like, two more Halo games, including my personal favorite Halo game, ODST. Uh, but that's when they started making Destiny. And then they cut a deal with Activision Blizzard. Like you do. To work when you're with, independent, right? To work with Activision Blizzard for ten years uh, to publish their games, and that's where they published Destiny. And that was purely because uh, they needed money, so they cut a deal with Activision Blizzard and got money. Did they like that deal? Well, no, because after eight years, they left because there were creative control problems with them. And now, after being independent for like four years with Destiny Two out and doing what they can. They're being purchased by Sony. So we'll see how many years they stay with Sony before creative control problems make them break off on their own until they can find somebody else to give them money to take creative control. It's a vicious vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle. Poor Bungie. So it it, it is, I mean, it's been a long road for them, uh, but... We'll see. I mean, a lot of people like Destiny. I haven't heard nearly as much like it for yeah, Destiny 2, but, but it's popular enough. That, but hasn't Sony said that Destiny is staying multi-plat? So yes. I'm not quite sure what they're getting, other than future stuff down the line. So yeah. I, I guess they're hoping. I mean, there have been arguments that Sony is weak on the FPS right. s- slate, so this would help. And uh, Sony is purchasing for them for $3.6 billion dollars. $1.2 billion of that has been set aside specifically as incentives for retention of employees. Right. So that's smart. Uh, you know, overall, other than Bungie's constant, in my view, as you sort of highlight, constant dissatisfaction with being under anyone's thumb, this isn't a bad move. I don't think so. I don't think it's a bad move at all. I think it's something that shows a lot of uh, progress. Or it has the chance to give them a lot of progress, especially yeah. if, they, if they get a chance to work on something not destiny. Maybe they can start opening their sites back up. Um, since we already have talked a little bit about Activision Blizzard, we'll continue into the Activision Blizzard stuff. No surprise, the FTC is going to be looking into the purchase deal for Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft is downplaying the chances of anything being blocked because even post-acquisition, they're still only going to be in the number three slot. 
I honestly, I I think this deal is going to go through. Yeah, I don't see how it won't go through. I mean, I don't see how you could. I don't see how they could shut this deal down, saying it would make them too big when it would only put them in the number three slot without also coming forward and deciding they have to break up Sony and Tencent. Right. It's like to to me, this is this is like uh, the merger of Sprint and T-Mobile. Right. It's, uh, yeah, I get it. It you're there's diminished competition. We had someone, or I don't think it was on our our Facebook necessarily. Someone tagged me though. With, with that concern about the loss of independence. You know, it's, it's complicated though, because they're actually, because you can have one person studios, there actually are a ton of independents out there. Right. So it's just not the same landscape as it is in other, because things are distributed digitally. It's actually relatively easy to get your own video game studio up if you wanted to. Right. You don't have to be like Bungie begging for money all the time. That may mean you can't be as ambitious. But you but. don't have to be huge and special and triple right. A to make it to have a good fo- look at like Among Us. That's independent and it's still huge. Uh, it, it's one of those things. Independents can get out there and put their own stuff out. So I don't think it'll destroy anything. I don't think it'll be blocked. Um, Activision Blizzard did release their next round of uh, data. Uh, on their player base, their player base has dropped by another 14 million since September mm. of active monthly users. Um, that is, uh, in my notes, I put it as active monthly losers. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> they, they, they've lost that. And considering the numbers of losses they've been taking, it's just been a continuing downward trend, uh, on that. Uh, at the same time, uh, Square has been climbing. Final Fantasy 14 numbers are higher now than they've ever been. Uh, so there's definitely been some stuff going there. And because, like we talked about, this opening up of the uh, union at Raven, uh, which is part of Activision Blizzard, Activision Blizzard has continued uh, sending out more union-busting messages to their people. Uh, so we'll see how well that goes. I'm just going to read a selection from some of these ones, just basically it's the same comments they made on the last one where when it comes out, Oh, it'll affect your direct relationship to the company. And, Oh, we won't be able to make as good a games if you're under union control. And yeah, it, it, it's not surprising, but it's, it's sad. That's uh it's pretty common for companies when they announce, yeah, this is your right. And then they always have a, but you'll, yeah, you'll, we totally support your right to do this, but don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> but vote no, but vote no. So, um, let's see what else we got going on. Stadia. Oh, we oh, haven't talked about Stadia in talked, a while. We haven't, and Stadia has uh, been reportedly deprioritized. What it's being by Google? Yes. What? I know. I'm. I too what? am in absolutely zero shock. Uh, they they're they are no longer pushing to make the deals for the games. Uh, they are instead shopping out the software and the back end stuff to sell to other third party companies who want to have their own thing. Yeah, I saw Peloton listed. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, Peloton's not. Their financials aren't doing great right now either. They did great during the pandemic, and now it's right. like, well, they can't maintain that growth level because people are not staying at home anymore. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, I know we we have a few listeners that are I'll I'll brand them as Stadia fanboys. But yeah. Honestly, based off of the sales numbers, I this 
was inevitable. And as in no, as in, I think it was inevitable. It was definitely, as you noted, in no way a surprise. Google does this. Yes. A lot. And it's frustrating, but it's, uh, as someone who, like, with, you know, I've been in the Android phone in- infrastructure, but obviously those, that software, that operating system is very, very successful. But I mean, I've been constantly, we use FeedBurner for our, right. For our thing. And yet, thankfully, they just don't, sub- like, they don't work on it anymore. But I'm always wondering, are they going to pull the plug? And millions of people use it, but this is what Google does. They're, uh, often with very little, actually, this is more notice than I, I thought, honestly. They Normally, kill, yeah. They, they kill the service and say, oh, yeah, we just, yeah, you know, here, look at this. Here's a new phone. Yeah. yeah there's been several things that I've used over the years that Google was in, and Google's just like, ah, yeah, it's too bad. We're I shutting mean, it down. They got, it's like they throw, I thought, someone described it as Google seems to throw everything at the wall to see what sticks. And when things start to fall off the wall, they just kind of, don't seem to care very much about what happens to the people who adopted them. Right. So my my favorite thing, though, was the long, and they worked it for a while, but Google+, Plus, which was a dumb idea to oh, begin yeah. with. They came into, maybe now with Zuckerberg being seen as a vicious robot, they, they <laughs> could have had, but at the time, it's like, you're entering the wrong type of social media space at the very wrong time, and it didn't work. Yeah. And I knew people that tried to make Google Plus it like they were like, we should use Google Plus. I'm like, I'm not a Facebook fan, but why? Yeah. Like, why would I do this? And then it, it, in fact, when we first started doing the podcast, I used to promote it on Google Plus. I got one like. Ooh. It's like, it's, it was a waste. It was a waste. Yeah. There was no, there was never anybody there. I, I had very limited things. They only did, stayed with that as long as they did because they, the sheer amount of money they poured into it was high by even Google standards. <laughs> That's the only thing. <laughs> oh, what a mess. Anyway. So, so, so much for that. So much for Stadia. Now, in a similar vein, Valve Steam Deck. Steam Deck. Is going to start shipping on the 28th of February. Hmm. Uh, for those people who got their reservations in early enough last year when it was first announced, uh, will Steam Deck do any better than Stadia? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> because, because of the, because oh, yeah. that's our, because Steam is successful. Right. And you don't have to rebuy the game. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, that's the most interesting part of it is because with Stadia, when you bought into the Stadia system, you had to buy into their whole thing. To get, so you got to buy games there or buy into their stuff to get, to get games. Steam Deck, well, I, I already own Steam games, so I can play all my Steam games on Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like, uh, for those people with the Game Pass on Xbox, it's yeah. like, Xbox it just gives you another out, way to enjoy what you already have. Right. Uh, I'm not planning on getting a Steam Deck, um, but the ability to have access to the Steam library is the only reason I would consider it. Uh, I just right, I don't right. travel with games. I don't I don't either. I've tried it before and then I just don't end up playing them. But I know some other people that travel constantly do because they're right. used to it. So Yeah. I mean cuz I've got I've got a laptop that can play games, so if I really wanted it, I would just take my laptop and play Steam games on that. But every time I've done that, I've never actually played any games because I'm always doing other stuff. I've found that uh other than taking like my work laptop for work related stuff, I'll just take a tablet and watch movies or something when I have some downtime. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, just a few more quick little things. Uh, uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, uh, sold 6.5 million copies in seven days. Mm. Uh, it outselling the last several, 
uh, Pokemon mainstream releases, and it is the highest rated Pokemon game since Heart Gold and Soul Silver came oh, out. Oh, yeah, I haven't so, seen a lot of posts about Pokemon. It's 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 a lot of people are enjoying it, and the graphics are terrible. Yeah, I've seen most yeah. of them have been critical of the graphics. It's like the game. Everything I've heard is the game gameplay is amazing, and the graphics are crap. Uh, Star Citizen uh, 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 is reducing their progress roadmaps that they're putting <laughs> out. Why? Because apparently uh, they're putting out roadmaps so far, they're showing things coming up so far in advance that when things are slipping, players are getting upset. So instead of releasing a roadmap that shows, you know, what's going to come out like the next three patches, they're going to cut down and just say, hey, well, here's the next patch, what we're working Mm. on. Because then when things slip off the roadmap or get delayed or have, it doesn't matter. This game's never going to come out. My kids are going to inherit this game bef- and, and, and have a chance to play it. Maybe. Maybe their grandkids will. Maybe. It's uh, been 84 years. Uh, Sega. Sega. Has pulled completely out of the arcade market. I forgot they were in the arcade market still. Yeah. That's not been doing well with the pandemic no, in particular. Exactly. Uh, in because of the pandemic, they had sold off three quarters of their I arcades. I think we covered that. Yeah, uh, they've sold the rest off. Okay, uh, to the same company they sold the other the others to. So uh, they sold it all to Genda Incorporated, which runs games and or their game centers are like GG something or another. But yeah, no, they Sega is completely out of the arcade market um, for the first time in fifty years. Mm. So that's big. Uh, there was an NFT uh, Minecraft project that raised 1.2 million tokens <laughs> for a private server with all sorts of special stuff and all this. And they raised it in eight hours and they promptly shut everything down and vanished. Mm-hmm. Where <laughs> it gets interesting <laughs> is people found them. Is people found them. <laughs> like people literally started uh, finding that they, they left traces so the developers and the pe- and the people behind it could be tracked back. So suddenly they made a giant resurgence where they're like, no, 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 we, we didn't, we didn't leave and run off. It's we, 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 we got overwhelmed and there were issues and we panicked and we shut everything down to try and fix things. And that's why we went utterly silent and completely vanished and deleted everything. But, but, but we're going to come back. Uh, we're talking to some people to help fix the problems that we had, and we're we're, we're we want to give uh, control to the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to give any of the money to the community, but they're going to help them give control to the community as they got tracked down. Yeah, no, it's <sighs> uh, NFTs. We just don't understand. We dumb. We, we dumb. We, we dumb. too dumb. We too dumb to understand NFTs and. EA and their shareholder meeting admitted that Battlefield 2042 crashed and burned. <laughs> yeah. I saw one where apparently a shareholder asked them to tell them, uh, like how much, how much they made in sales or something. And, and EA wouldn't. They said yeah. something like, well, Battlefield's less than 10% of our portfolio. Yes. So you wouldn't, like the, you wouldn't understand. Right. It, it wouldn't it help is, you. Yeah. It wouldn't help you. And then it's just like, oh, it's that bad. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Out. Well, uh, it sounds like there. It cost EA about a hundred million. Yeah, I you know I got it. I uh, when it came out, I because I've been a pretty big Battlefield fan out of Dice. I was really excited for them to have another modern era one. Um, there were elements of it that were cool. There were elements of it that I could live with, but I didn't love. But 
I mean, the map design is not great. It's it's really really barren. I mean, you're the way the vehicles are in the game is odd. They're like all at the base. You can occasionally do these call in drops. You a lot of the game it feels like you are sprinting for five minutes to be headshot by a sniper, and then you will spawn out in the middle of nowhere again. And try again. And try again. And try again. And it's just, it was just like, it was, uh, like they have too many specialists. They changed the formula up an awful lot. And I don't think necessarily for the better. Some of the mechanics in it were pretty cool, but it's just like, see, for it's just, there was only one game mode that was popular and everything else died out really quick. I think a big thing, some of these big groups that put out a new game in the same franchise like every year need to remember is that people are buying your game and your franchise because they like how it is you need to keep your changes to a minimum in 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 my in 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 my business when we make adjustments we never change anything more than 10 percent at a time so maybe don't change 90 percent of the gameplay loop of your game and then sit there with a shock pikachu face when it crashes and burns yeah, it was just, I mean, disappointed. I just, dis- I mean, comparably, I had my frustrations with, like, Battlefield 1 and stuff, but they were such better games to this. Yes. Uh, even with the limitation, you know, because of the errors they went with and stuff. So I was just like, this was just uh, almost shocking. It was like, they took ideas from Rainbow Six Siege and blended it into this, and it's like, this isn't Siege, though. Where's Rush Mode? There's no Rush Mode. Conquest was the only carryover mode. It's just I don't. It was just weird. Well, we're looking unfortunate. We're, we're we're looking at the 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 statistics, and this is the most played mode, and this is the second well, most played mode. Well, let's get rid of and those. Then it didn't, then it didn't help that like crossplay <laughs> mode, as I noted, crossplay mode put the console people against PC. So we were farmed like innocent babes in boxes. <laughs> we were bunnies in boxes being farmed by these PC people, and it was just like you never mix those two groups. Yeah. What is this? Well, the thing is, is that was a lesson that was learned like during Halo Two. Yeah, you no. don't mix the groups. Yeah, mess. It was a mess. So I'm not surprised. So, but that's what I've got for the news for video games. Um, I think that's everything then. All right. Well, if people want to reach out to us, you can always email eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail dot com or go to facebook dot com slash eclecticgamerspodcast and you can shoot us a message from there. We're available on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram as Eclectic underscore Gamers. And we'll be back in a couple weeks. So uh, until then, I am Dennis. I'm Tony. Goodbye, everybody. Two weeks.